Good morning, LBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to the Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, Miss Stephanie Grace. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Stephanie Grace is a 25-year-old country pop singer-songwriter based out of Douglasville, PA, who opens shows for stars such as Taylor Swift, Scotty McCreary, Brothers Osborne, and Charlie Daniels, in addition to performing with her band at local wineries, festivals, theaters, and various other venues, Stephanie performs at elementary and middle schools in the form of empowerment assembles. Stephanie has released three Nashville recorded EPs along with numerous singles. You can find her and her projects over on Facebook at Stephanie Grace Official or Instagram or Twitter at Stephanie G Music or on Spotify. All those links are also in the description if you need help. Thank you. Just put them right there. (laughs) How are you doing today? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm really, I'm really excited to get talking. So I can talk. Let me tell you. <laughs> what was it? You, you've been doing this for years. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm 25, and the first time I ever sang in public, I was seven. And by the age of 11, I was doing gigs. Like I was singing for two, three hours at the local restaurants and <laughs> fairs and festivals and such. So yeah been doing this for a while so what was it as a child that got you into it did you pick up a guitar what was it um you know what fun fact i don't play an instrument boo i know oh yeah that's right yeah i know people assume i do of course because i'm a songwriter too so like how does that work we'll talk about that but um i think as a kid i grew up around music not that my parents are musical they just always had music playing Mm. And um, I watched a lot of Disney Channel where music, like the shows with music, like Hannah Montana, embarrassed to say, (laughs) was kind of an influence because I would see her go from like the girl at school, the girl next door to this rock star. And I'm like, hey, I I resonate with that. Like, I'm really shy, but I really love to sing. And I don't know. I just I'd pick up an egg beater in the kitchen so instead of like the hairbrush I went the the kitchen route you know and I'd sing into it and I'd be rocking out and my parents were like whoa like where did that come from so I think it was first grade yeah first grade um I came home from school I had a talent show sign up form and I told my mom like I want to sing in my school talent show she was like, wow, okay, like, absolutely, but you do realize your entire school's going to be there. Right. Because, like, it's not just, like, mommy and daddy you're singing for, you know, because I would get shy the second they'd invite their friends over for me to sing for them. So it was one of these things where it absolutely terrified me, but I knew I really wanted to do it. So I got up there at my talent show. I was crying right before I took the stage, um, but I got up there and three minutes on stage – that was all it took. I fell in love with it. I felt like I slipped into this totally new persona. And um, I knew that was the only way I could ever get that feeling was just singing on stage. So yeah, seven years old, I had that realization, which is pretty crazy thinking back now. <laughs> so what's from there? So from there, um, my whole school was like, oh my God, like you can sing. Like, And like everyone was telling my parents, like you must be so proud. And my parents were like, wow, like she, she did good. Like she did it. Oh my gosh. And so my parents were like, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to sing more? Do you want to do this again? Like, so I think my mom found me a singing coach and, um, 
how did this go? I think one of my classmates' um, parents were like, hey, we need someone to sing the national anthem at the local baseball games. <laughs> so I started doing the national anthem. Dude, which, that's a hard song. It's funny. At eight years old, nine years old, I could do it. And now at 25, it terrifies me. For, for those who don't know, it's it's like an octave and a third, the range. Uh, it terrifies me so much to do the national anthem. That is my kryptonite to this day. But at, And it's funny because I think, in, you know what, here's the difference. At eight, nine years old, like I was singing and I didn't care what anyone thought. Like you That's get up fair. there, yeah. you just sing because I'm like, hey, this is cool. I like this. And of course, I still feel that way. But it's different after you've had some like years of life under your belt where you felt insecure, you felt judged, you felt like pressure. Mm-hmm. Like I never felt pressure at seven, eight, nine years old where when you start doing it as a career, that kind of changes everything. But anyway, um, so kind of neat that I started out my career singing the national anthem and that was kind of how I got into it. But um, so from there, karaoke nights too. Forgot to mention that. Join the school choir. I was basically singing just all the time, any chance I could. And looking back, like, I think the number one thing that fueled all of this was my parents' support because they're not musical people. It's not like I'm Miley Cyrus, my dad's Billy Ray Cyrus. Like, Mm -hmm. my parents knew nothing about the music industry, but they knew how much I loved it. And they're like, what can we do to help you? And they were never pushy either because that's the other thing. Like, being a young person and starting to get into some of these singing competitions. So by the age of nine, I was competing because I just, I wanted to. I thought that was really exciting and nerve-wracking. And I wanted to, like, face that fear of singing competitively. And a couple of the contests I entered, I actually won, which was really cool. Um, But just through being in that competitive setting, too, I saw how some of the parents were, like, treating their kids. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, get up there. You know, you're nervous. Shut up. Go up there and do it. Like, right. I remember being backstage at a competition, crying. It was the first one I ever entered, and I was terrified. And my mom, like, they actually, like, said, like, you know, where's this girl's parents? Get them back here. And my mom came back, and she was like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm scared. She was like, well, here's the thing. If you really, really don't want to do this, you don't have to. But why don't you just go up there and try it? Give it a shot. And if it's the worst thing ever, you never have to do it again. And I will never forget that because all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay. And I went up there and of course I loved it. Like it was awesome. And and then I ended up winning the competition. (laughs) So one of those things, you know, where if you have parents who truly love you and support you and and ground you, um, that makes such a difference. So um, let's see. By the age of 14, 15, I realized country music was it. I love country music. Grew up listening to Shania Twain, Leanne Rimes, John Michael Montgomery, Rascal Flatts. And... Everyone, again, like, was like, oh, country music, Nashville. You need to get down to Nashville, Nashville, Nashville. And my dad's like, well, I'd be down to go to Nashville. Let's go. <laughs> so my dad drove me down to Nashville. And um, I knew a few people down there just from, like, radio stations here in PA and, and that sort of thing, songwriters who would commute from PA to Nashville. So, really? Yeah, there was actually a guy in Limerick. Um, he actually passed away a couple years ago, Jim Femino, rest in peace, but he was the first Nashville songwriter I ever worked with, but he was out of Limerick, so he'd commute from Limerick to Nashville every few months, and I was 12 by the time I was working with him, and, you know, so he introduced me to some people, and honestly, everything with the music industry is is simply who you know, (laughs) like, it's it's unfortunate, but also it makes sense, because the more you talk to people, the more you make connections with people. It's all about trust. Exactly, exactly, so... 
I'm very blessed that I was able to just connect with a lot of people very organically and was able to go down to Nashville by the age of 14. And by the age of 15, I was going down there to record my own music, which was absolutely insane because I spent years writing songs as like diary entries. And I'm just like, this is so vulnerable, you know? Like, and at the time I didn't know that, I just felt embarrassed that like I mm. had these thoughts and feelings and I was putting them in songs and I'm like, is this cheesy, is this stupid? And, and when I started working with Jim, started working with a few other songwriters, they were like, oh my gosh, like this actually like isn't bad. <laughs> and I'm like, oh cool, okay. And um, since I don't play an instrument, all of the songwriters I work with are the ones who do mm-hmm. and they whip out the guitar and, you know, figure out chords and, and we work together on like, forming these thoughts and ideas and chords and melodies into songs. And it's the neatest process. So by the age of 15, I was recording those songs and I put out my very first six song EP. I think it was in July, 2012. I was actually just celebrating the 10 year anniversary of that, which is insane. Like to think I've been recording music 10 years of my life. I don't know. I'm getting old. (laughs) Yikes. But Yeah, so then I would say from basically that point, like the next 10 years from that point have been spent um, working with different musicians like here in Pennsylvania. I now, like I've been working with different bands over the years. I've continued writing. I've been releasing my music um, and performing a whole bunch. And it's been a crazy ride. (laughs) And then, of course, as you mentioned in my bio too, um, I've been blessed to take the stage before some pretty big acts. Um, We'll talk about the Taylor Swift thing. That was super cool. Um, And Charlie Daniels before he passed. What a blessing. I'll never forget that. It was my senior year of high school. Got to open for Charlie Daniels like two weeks before prom. Um, (laughs) So it was a pretty cool senior year. And uh, Scotty McCreary, Brothers Osborne, Hunter Hayes, just whenever there have been like some pretty notable country acts here in PA, um, over the years, I've been pretty blessed to um, open some of those shows. And then I also do my empowerment assemblies. So um, it's basically taking a performance and making it, um, I, I basically attach a message to it. Like I'm going into these schools and I'm talking about the importance of being a friend and being kind and also believing in yourself, how that is kind of ultimately what takes you a long way mm-hmm. and also affects the way you treat other people. Um, and I have a lot of songs that tie into that message. So been blessed to be able to um, bring that to schools too. So yeah, it's been a busy 10 years to say the least, but um, I'm, I'm enjoying every minute and I'm learning more and more each day. <laughs> so did you ever feel like you lost your childhood a little bit? Um, you know what? It's funny. I, I think about that sometimes because I remember growing up feeling like a freak feeling like I never fit in with people my age. In Mm. fact, even to this day, I feel like I don't fit in with people my age. And I think it's not so much I lost a childhood. I think it was just the kind of child I naturally was. Mm. I think I always was an old soul. And it's really hard to relate to 12-year-old struggles when at 12 years old you're – you're not thinking like that. I don't know if that even makes sense, but you're living a very adult life. Yes, as a it, yeah. it really. If I don't want to say it forces you to grow up, um, it, it kind of does though, because yeah. you're in the spotlight. You know, granted, it's not like I was famous at 15, but no. I was doing interviews like this and and stuff like that, where it's like the spotlight's kind of on you. The adults are treating you like adult. Yes. Like an adult. Yeah. Geez, I was 15 and I was doing a radio tour, so I was going to these radio stations all over the country. And I, 
was so nervous. I'm like, I don't, I can barely talk like in school in front of my class, let alone on the radio. Live. Yes, live, no pressure. Um, So I think once you're constantly thrown in the fire like that, it kind of does force you to grow up and mature a lot quicker. And I think some people view view it as a bad thing. I actually, I viewed it as quite a blessing. I mean, granted, I think growing up, it was a little lonely as far as like at school and like trying to relate to kids my own age. And, um, you know, it, that was definitely a struggle, but also that gave me some awesome songs to write. So, you know, that, that feeling of loneliness as, as a musician, you can kind of channel that and write about it. But I think like, I keep going back to having such a supportive family kind of made me forget everything else. <laughs> so I say trauma is the best inspiration. For <laughs> it really is. It is Heartbreak, yeah. trauma, give it all to me, you know? So uh, talking about opening up for these bigger acts, how does, how does one get into that? How does that occur? Sure. So I feel like a lot of those, um, those shows I got to open were very unique and just right time, right place, all of that. Um, the Charlie Daniel... Uh, the Charlie Daniel show, especially. So um, I think at the time it was um, Santander Performing Arts Center in Reading, Pennsylvania. And um, I guess a friend of mine knew the booking person and brought her out to one of my shows. And she was really impressed. And she was like, if we ever have like a country artist come in to the Performing Arts Center, and they need a, a local opener, we'll keep you in mind. And I think this lasted a year of seeing country artists come there, and I'm constantly like, hello, hello, hey. you know, hey, remember me? And every single time they're like, they already have an opener. Like, they don't need an opener, they brought one, the label has, whatever. And I'll never forget, she messaged me on Facebook and was like, what are you doing May 1st? Now, at this point, it was like, May, June. It was like June. And I'm like, May 1st. May already passed. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, next May. I'm like, pretty sure I'm free. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a long way away. She was like, we have a massive country artist coming to the Performing Arts Center, and he specifically requested a local person open for him. So I must say that's rare. That that's is, really that's rare. Because normally, Think either the they don't care. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't care who opens the show. Or the label is like, we have this person we'd rather see open the show, which, of course, like if they're on tour together, that makes sense. So they want to promote their own artists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which makes sense. Totally makes I, sense. I, I, you know, totally makes sense. So that was totally insane. I think the hardest part was I had to keep my mouth shut till October when they announced it, the yeah. show. So I had like April, May, June, July, August, September, October to keep my mouth shut. And I, I told my parents, <laughs> my dad's like really popular. I'm like, Pops, if you blow this for me. <laughs> and he was like, I'm not telling anyone. So it was really stressful, like not being able to tell anybody. But the time came, we could let it out. It was amazing. So it was, it was just a rare situation. And then I believe Scotty McCreary, he was at the, uh, the American Music Theater mm-hmm. in Lancaster. And um, same thing, like, at the time, I had some radio connections who knew the booking guy and, you know, just those one-off situations. And then Brothers Osborne, kind of the same thing, you know? Like, and it's funny because now I'm at this point where I'm like, all right, where are those connections? They haven't opened for anybody in a while, you know? It'd be really cool to do that. Um, And then recently, I guess, there's been the Citadel Country Spirit USA, which has been very 
vote voter driven Mm. or they make you compete. I have a lot of mixed feelings about the whole competing for a slot. Like, I just think, why can't we just recognize local artists instead of pitting them against each other? It kind of drives me nuts. So I guess that's why I haven't opened for anybody recently is because now these radio stations and these venues are catching on like, hey, we can really make a spectacle of this and like get Mm. these local artists all together and, you know, make them compete for their spot. And again, I'm not totally into that as of right now. So hopefully I get a random situation come up very, very near future that I can open another show sometime soon. (laughs) Talking about kind of a random situation, talk about your Taylor Swift opener. Oh, yes. So um, I talked about um, competition. So when I was eight years old, um, I entered the 105.1, sorry, um, the WIOV, like the big country station in Lancaster, or Ephrata, wherever they're at now. Um, They had a kids country idol contest. They don't even do this anymore, but they did at the time. And little eight-year-old Steffi with her pigtails and uh, cowgirl hat and boots entered. And 2008, uh, or no, it was 2006. It was 2006. Yeah, I lost. And I was bawling my eyes out that I lost this contest. And Casey Allen, one of the the morning show hosts, were like, you need to come back next year. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So came back 2007, and I won. And it's one of those unanswered prayer situations where you think back to the year before. Um, I couldn't even tell you who performed the year before, (laughs) but 2007, Taylor Swift performed. So that was the year I got to win the contest, and I was blessed enough to perform. And um, I did a, a song or two before before Taylor Swift took the stage. And the neatest part was, so this was 2007. She had just released her song, Tim McGraw. Right, yeah. Like, this was, she was about to break. Yeah. Like, she was a nobody at that exact moment. Because I remember her up there singing, and everyone was like, who's that? <laughs> like, no one cared. Really? You know what I mean? And I was in fourth grade. I went back to school the next day. I told everyone I met Taylor Swift. No one cared. And she released Tim McGraw, and the next thing you know, a few months later, she was huge. But the neat part was, since she was nobody at that time... Um, I got to meet her, which is really cool. She was totally accessible. She was like under a little tent signing autographs. And she was like, hey, you were that, that girl who sang before me. Like, you're amazing. Do you write your own songs? Like, she took the time to talk to me, which was so cool. And um, she was very down to earth. Her parents were really nice. Her dad was talking to my dad. And it's one of those things. I'm like, man, why didn't anything come of that? Because like, you know, right. She, she, I was like, did you lose my phone number, Taylor Swift? What the heck? <laughs> Somewhere she did. But, yeah, that was probably the coolest day of my life. Not going to lie. Oh, well, I'm sure. One of them. <laughs> one of them. Meeting, it's, 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 I'm sure it's especially weird because uh, right before the impetus of her fame, you get, you get to meet her. It's pretty cool. I have to say, meeting someone before they're really famous while they're still very accessible that's a blessing because you get to know like who they really are as a person. And then she came back to Reading, um, I want to say six months later and performed at the Performing Arts Center. And she had an autograph line and my mom and I butt to the front of the line, which to this day I feel guilty about. <laughs> and um, my mom was like, do you remember Stephanie from Fall Fest? And she was like, of course I do. And of course she probably was full of crap, but... <laughs> <laughs> I believed her at the time. She said she remembered me um, and, you know, got another picture with her. She was really sweet. So, yeah, that was that was really cool. 
<laughs> That's always funny. Yeah, butt to the front of the line. Can you believe that? <laughs> Mama Grace, so naughty. <laughs> so, tell me about your songwriting process. Uh, what's that like for you? Uh, granted, you have to g- grab other musicians for, for sure. your songs. Yeah, so writing songs to me, since I don't play an instrument, the main focus is the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like, I am one of those people. Um, I'm a very deep feeler. I'm a deep thinker. I'm, it's just how I express myself through words. And it's been neat turning those words into songs. So for me, it kind of starts normally with a line. Like we can be talking right now and, you know, you could like jam your finger and be like, ooh, that hurt. And I'd be like, ooh, that hurt. Hey, (laughs) like what else hurts? We could write a song about this. It's like the, the goofiest thing. Like if I could think of the moments I've had those aha moments, I call them, where I'm like, that's going to be a song. Like I can tell you right now. And even if it's like something really silly, I can kind of like turn it into something that's relatable and it kind of takes on a life of its own. So it starts with that. Um, when I started writing, I used to have like a notepad I kept in my purse. Now I just use my little phone with mm-hmm. the, the little notes on there and I type away Sometimes I have like the chorus come to me first or I can envision it being a chorus. Sometimes I'm like, that's a perfect first line. Whatever it is that comes to me, I write that down. And I don't like to write the entire song right on the spot if Mm. I know I'm bringing it to a songwriter, which I am always since, again, I don't play an instrument, so I need that collaboration anyway. Um, But I I like to save, savor it a little bit so that like we both, you know, or sometimes I have two songwriters as well so there's two of us three of us whatever um you know we meet on video chat and i'm like all right here's the idea like does this speak to you like do you think we can make something cool out of this and if they say no i don't take that personally i'm like i don't want you writing this song if you don't believe in it if you right. don't vibe with it so um if they're like yes 100 i'm like cool like what do you think about it and I've had moments where I have ended up writing kind of an entire lyric sheet myself and I'm like, what do you think of this? Put a melody to it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like it takes away some of the collaborativeness, that's a word, um, you know, among songwriters. So um, that's kind of the process. Like I have the idea. I try not to write the whole thing right off the bat just because I like having that, again, the, the collaboration between me and another songwriter or two songwriters, whatever. And we sit down and kind of hash it out together. And the song ends up being better that way. Because, of course, like, I could just write a song by myself. But I think it's always better when you have that team effort and you have multiple eyes, multiple brains, like, working on it. And you get a pretty neat product out of it. So is is country your go-to? Or have you tried to write other genres? Yeah, good question. So I feel like, naturally, I've gone into the country pop realm. I actually consider myself a country pop artist because um, the country I resonate with is more pop. Um, But as far as purposely writing something of a different genre, I think the only thing I've done is like a solid pop song. Like I've done a couple collaborations where it was very pop. Um, I collaborated with a rapper at one point. Her name was Jackie G. <laughs> I don't know if that song's still on YouTube, but she rapped the verses and then she left it on me to like write the chorus. And it ended up being really cool. <laughs> like we uh 
we went to Boyertown, Pennsylvania and filmed a music video. She flew in from Vegas. It was cool. Um, so I've done like the pop realm and then the Miller Keystone Blood Center. I wrote them a jingle, co-wrote them a jingle. Um, I collabed with my producer and another songwriter and it was very pop, like really pop. And <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I think other than pop, I haven't really ventured out too much. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. For now. You never know. You never know. <laughs> for for those aspiring musicians who want to be able to collaborate with uh, higher level musicians, what do you recommend? Is there any advice you could give? Well, considering I'm still figuring that out myself, um, I can't offer too much advice except to, um, uh, this sounds like kind of harsh, but I say this to myself too, like get better, get better. The moment you think you are great, you're fine, you don't need to improve, you're totally, you're done. Yeah, like, right, yeah. You need to constantly be working at getting better and improving. And with that, for me, that means like working at it more, spending more time on it, writing with as many different people as I can. Because even if they're only at only at my level or, or you know, a little bit below, a little bit below, <laughs> a little bit, below, you know, if we're going to play that game, right. um, you know, it's still very beneficial to just work with as many different people as possible. Cause you can take a learning lesson away from every, anything. Exactly. Every single writing session. Like it's mistakes, good things. Yes. Everything. Mistakes are a blessing. I think, you they know, are, yeah. and granted I've made some stupid ones. I think we all have such as life. Um, but you learn from them and you come back so much more knowledgeable and simply better. So, yeah, I think my advice is just to never stop improving. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's probably all. That's probably the only advice I can offer. <laughs> I'll add on to that a little bit. Please uh, do. <laughs> be willing to take critique. Yes. Ex and I think that falls into that. Where yeah. Again, like if you're not willing to take criticism, like. What are you even doing? It, you know, and, <laughs> like, keep an it, open mind. Yeah. And it might hurt and you might not feel like it's justified. Take, sure. take it anyway. Oh, yeah. And that's the, that's the thing, too, when you're in any kind of art, whether it's music, songwriting, singing, playing an instrument, acting, whatever it is, dancing, um, you're constantly going to be ripped apart. Like, there's there is no avoiding that. Like, you're always being judged. You are constantly being judged. And... I think the most freeing thing is the moment you realize that it's okay. It's okay. You it's don't have okay. to like, care really about it. Yeah. Exactly. You, like I used to say, and I struggle to implement this, but take criticism. Don't take criticism to heart. Take it into consideration. Yes. So don't let it get you upset, but take a step back and be like, you know what? Maybe they're right. Like, or you know, maybe they're not totally right, but there's something I could take from that that I could improve on. Like yeah. that sort of thing. And and it's not to say, uh, like you said, don't take everything too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously either. Yes. Amen. Uh, <laughs> Life's too short. <laughs> right. And just, just think about it. You know, if you don't have, you don't have to destroy your entire life because of one, uh, one critique. Yeah. No matter who it comes from. Exactly. Uh, just take a step back, try something different. Yes. You know, keep an learn open from mind. It. Learn from mind. it and keep an open mind. And also too, like, like rejection in general. Mm -hmm. Like, I think of all the major stars who are huge right now who've been rejected by American Idol. <laughs> like, come on. Like, you hear yep. these stories and you're like, oh, all right. <laughs> Think of all the TV shows that you know that took forever to get started. Yes. Right? Everything, like, I don't know. The way I see it, like, 
anything that's easy isn't worth doing. No. So it's like you really have to be willing to plow through so much and just never stop. And ne- it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> Rejection. You're going to get rejected more times than you get accepted. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the truth. <laughs> Because you've been yeah. at this for 10 so years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if I had, like, a dime for every time I submitted to a venue and got rejected, or I've tried out for The Voice, I've tried out for The X Factor, and I w- The Voice, I think I got an audition away from being out in L.A. for the, the chair turning around. Because here's the other thing. People don't realize there's 8,000 rounds of auditions before you're actually on TV. There's a lot. And also, like, they have so many pre-screening questions that have nothing to do with your singing ability. I'm sure. Literally, the questions were like, what obstacles have you had to overcome? You know, what... um. How like they're always looking for a story to go yes. with it. Yes, and I'm like, I'm healthy. I have a wonderful family. And they're like, next, <laughs> right? Yeah, because well, and that's part of it. You you look at all so, these shows oh, and and you get all the cheer jerkers. Like America's Got yep. Talent, you get those cheer jerkers, and you're like, oh, you've done it, blah blah blah. Yeah, cool buzzer. Whatever, yes, yeah, right. exactly. And I'm like, man, Makes I for great television. It does absolutely. Right. And I had a voice coach who told me that years ago. They're like. Talented singers will not get ratings. Like, yes, to an extent, of course, but if course, every right. single person is talented with no story, with no crazy, with no, no craziness. With no emotional or, pull. Yes. Or even like the, the bad singers that they yeah. purposely let on TV just for entertainment. You know, it's one of those, it's like, it's entertainment. And yeah. the way I see it, like, I've gotten to a point where I'm like, I don't want to be this, like, spectacle like i am i am what i am exactly i'm like i i come from a great family in little douglasville pennsylvania i'm healthy i'm blessed i you know i i have to make it yeah yeah it's one of those things it's like i just this is what i am i try to write songs that i hope people relate to and i want to be that voice for people who feel like they don't have one and that's kind of my thing and you know, sorry, that's not entertaining. Like, you right. know what I mean? <laughs> like, what can you do? But, hey, at least you tried. Yeah, you know, I can say I tried the voice. Yeah. I can. And yeah, it was funny. I did, um, what song did I do? Oh, Better Dig 2 by the band Perry. And it was funny. I was so nervous because, like, you're in this little studio type room and there's these three people that are not the judges. Of course, and, Like right. some bald producer staring at you. And... They're staring at me like, like waiting to hate me. You know what right. I mean? It's and just it's that not, vibe. And they're not get. looking for your talent. They're looking for your isms that <laughs> yes, uh, that'll exactly. make good television. Exactly. And I just got up there and said my name, said where I was from. I did my song, and they were like, "That's enough." And I'm like, "Oh boy." <laughs> yeah, it's cutthroat. <laughs> yes, and it's I, the the thing that kind of cracked me up was the guy was like, "You're incredibly confident." Um, and I'm sitting there like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you have no idea uh, where I'm at mentally right now. Yes, it made me laugh so much when he called me confident. I'm like, wow, I can fake it pretty good. Um, and then he was like, but you don't project your voice. And I was mm. like, what does that even mean? And we need, you know, on this show, people are here, you know, and you're just not here. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. And yeah, like, and then I had like a gig that weekend and I had like a packed house and People were into it, and I felt the love, and I'm like, eh, it's all good. <laughs> right, 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 right. You, Get over it pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, it, you shouldn't let better people uh, yeah. tear you down, especially when you have 
<laughs> you can go to next weekend and you know think to a full house. Exactly, and trust me, it's not always a full house. And you it's know, not always you, a full. You house. came to see me at where were we? A distillery a couple weeks Tony, ago. Oh, Manitoni still Manitoni, works. Yeah, and um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes by the end of the night, the house is a little not packed, <laughs> and that's okay. And here's yeah. the thing, I. I always feel whether I'm playing to six people, 60 people, 600 people, 6,000 people, I'm just blessed I get to perform in front of people, you know? You get to do that for... Yeah, it, it's it's quite the blessing, so never take that for granted. No, and always, people, we, this has been a conversation ongoing on the podcast, even if there's one, two, six, whatever people, give it your all anyway. Yes, you're gonna you never make, know. You're going to make the best... Yeah. You, you never know who's out in the crowd. Who, exactly. Who has that influence? Who has that connections? Sure. Because if you do really good for one person, they'll probably bring. They'll probably go to your next show. Exactly. And then bring more people. Exactly. And like you said too, like if you can bring joy just to one or two people, I mean that's that's why I do my assemblies. Because I remember someone said to me a couple weeks ago, like, with the current state of the world, you know, like the the despair, the division, like the craziness. Like, do you think you're wasting your time, like, mm. going to these schools and telling everyone to be kind? And I was like, you know, I can see why you would think that and why sometimes I personally, I do feel that way sometimes because it gets to me, like, I'm a very sensitive person and I'm very sensitive to the world around me and it makes me very sad, like, how cruel the world can be. And I think that's all the more reason why we can't stop. We can't stop right. trying to be kind, trying to promote that message. And if of anything, kindness. doing it to younger generations is going to change the rest of the world anyway. Exactly. Because so, you know, at that age, there's still hope. You can kind of get through to them a little bit, yeah. maybe, even if it's just a little bit. Because, man, I tell you what, Corey, I am now 25. And I, over the last, even just the last six months, I can name three occasions where I've run into, let's say, I was at Ulta and the girl who checked me out. She was like 20 or 21, and she's like, I remember. Like, she was like, Are you Stephanie Grace? And I was like, Yeah. And she was like, I remember you coming to my school when I was in middle school. And that was like eight years ago. And she remembers it. And she was like, Yeah, you really like got me through like a tough time in my life because middle school is really hard for me. And I'm just like crying at Ulta, <laughs> just trying to buy some mascara, <laughs> like sobbing. But, um, it's amazing yeah. to know like that it, it's possible that you could influence even one person in that way. So I will never stop. Yeah, but that goes for everybody. Like <laughs> the amount of kindness you show, it's even if you don't feel like it, because everyone doesn't feel like being kind all the time. And it, oh yeah, and oh my gosh, I'd argue it's impossible to to be kind all the time. Yeah, very but, true, so true. But still, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing your best to be kind is gonna it's gonna make the world a better place, whether or not you see it elsewhere. Oh my gosh, yeah, because this is, and it, it's cheesy, but it's also very true and very simple, and this is what I tell the kids, like, your energy, it's contagious. Yeah. I'm like, I actually compare it to music. Like, if you listen to Adele's, hello, it's me, and you're sitting there, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. that song's going to make you feel that way, you know? But if you put on, don't stop. 
believe it. You're like, oh, yes, I'm feeling good. As soon as the riff comes yes, in. Yes, yes. You're, you're just like feeling so empowered. It's like, so I want you to be like music and, and choose to be that music that speaks to people in a positive way. Like kindness can be contagious. Yeah. I witnessed it with my own mother. So my mom, she's Italian. Sweetest thing in the entire world. I love my mom. She's probably listening right now. Hi, mom. And we'll be at like Walmart or Giant or whatever grocery shopping together. And my mom is like the sweetest person. She'll talk to anybody to the point where I'm like, mom, please stop. <laughs> it's embarrassing. And we'll get to the, the, the cashier and the cashier just looks like, don't talk to me. Mm. Like grumpy. And my mom, of course, does not read A that. Challenge. And she, yeah, yeah, she's like, oh, here we go. So she starts like talking. And, you know, it's funny. Sometimes it flops. But most times I have seen my mom's kindness actually like transform someone's mood. Yeah. Like I've seen the grumpiest cashier smile by the end of my mom collecting her bags and getting out of their line. And it's amazing. So energy is contagious. And Very if you much can so. if you can, you know, keep it keep it positive, it's amazing how far that can go. And I'll I'll even give an example too. I teach children how to swim. Sometimes children oh. have the worst days ever, right? Or they come in, they're oh, like, "Oh yes, um, I hate you, I hate <laughs> I everything, hate the world." Uh, good luck, and you can just see it on their <laughs> yep. face, right? Yes. They come over here and they're looking at you like, "What are you gonna do?" Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> and and uh, I start, you know, I like being silly, and same. <laughs> typically, typically, the first thing we uh, or whenever I see someone I like that, depending on you know the level, I'm like, "You want to jump in, do a big cannonball?" And they're like. <gasps> Yeah, your <laughs> face lights up. Yeah, it's like you want a cup of water. Here you go, splash one and let's be goofy, and and instantly their mood changes because yes. you're bringing the energy. I had a, I had on the guest uh, uh earlier Shane Spiel, and he's very much a bigger than life person. And uh, typically this is you know like a chill conversation. Uh, he comes in like I'm so excited. And I'm like okay, here we go. Gotta <laughs> gotta bring up the energy. It's so true though. If someone walks in the door and like that's their energy, you're like all right. I mean, we're going for it. it. When I'm hanging with my mom's family, you know, again, Italian, like all of a sudden, like we're all really loud. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's fun. It's fantastic. But no, it's funny you mentioned the kid thing. So um, I'm a personal trainer in addition to music. So that started in 2019, 20, well, 2018, I started running some classes and then my gym was like, you should get certified. And I'm like, yeah, good point. So 2019, got my um, personal trainer certification. And since then, I've been training one-on-one clients, classes, partner training, small group training, all of that. And um, now I'm actually training out of my house, which is awesome. I'm my own boss, set my own hours. It's great. And I have a wonderful client base. I love my clients so much. But it's so true. Like, you know, I have, like, some of the younger kids who come in. And, you know, I. it's funny. Like, I know to some people, I'm probably being a terrible trainer. Um, to some, I'm probably being the best trainer ever. I don't know, but sometimes I will have a kid come in and, and I can I can sense, mm-hmm. like you said, like they are not having a good day. And sometimes they even tell me, they're like, I'm really not feeling this today. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. I was like, what out of all the exercises you've ever heard of that we've ever done, you've ever seen on Instagram, what do you want to do today? And they'll be like, bicep curls. And I'm like... Okay, like if that's if that will make you happy right, and get yeah. you through this session today, how about we do some squats and then bicep curls? And they're like, oh, okay. And it's like sometimes you just have to meet people where they are. Absolutely. And, and sure, their parents are probably like, I am paying you <laughs> this much money, you know. But it's like, you know, I think instead of being that coach that's like, 
I don't care how you're feeling. You're going to squat. You're going to bench press. You're going to deadlift. You're going to bicep curl till your arms fall off and then you can go home. I don't, I don't like that approach. No. And there's a lot of trainers like that. Yeah. Especially, and my specialty is beginners. Like, I love training people who've never touched a weight before in their lives. Like, that's my favorite client because I want to bridge the gap between, like, having no clue what to do and then feeling confident in a gym because that's how I was. Mm-hmm. I was 16. I was not athletic. Stepped foot in my gym. No clue what to do. Felt scared. Gym intimidation's a real thing. And, you know, I had a trainer who helped me out of that. So that inspired me to, like, want to be that person for someone else. So, yeah, blessed that I have, uh, you know, a- another career to um, reach people, you know. So speaking about being a personal trainer, what got you on- into all that? <laughs> sure. So when I graduated high school, I realized I was a lazy, lazy person. <laughs> like... The most lifting I did was my butt off the couch to the refrigerator. refrigerator. (laughs) Like It was bad. So I realized it was starting to impact my energy on stage. Mm. Like I felt like a potato on stage. And a lot of voice coaches told me like you need to be active. Like it's not so much like visually they were like, oh, gee stuff. Which of course being in the music industry, I've had enough of those comments of you need to lose weight, you need to do this, you you need to look, yeah, right. All of that. Like, so I I actually, I didn't do it for anyone else. I kind of looked at myself and I was like, I need to feel better. And -hmm. there's a gym five minutes from my house. Let's just stop in and see what they have to say. And the owner was so friendly. The, the trainer was really accommodating. And, and just the people seemed nice. Like it, like, it wasn't like a typical gym where it's like meatheads. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> really intimidating. Yeah, yeah. They, they got the giant muscles and the giant weight. And like. <laughs> yes. It's grunting every yeah, right, rep. Like, you know? Yes. And yeah, like, oh, none of my that. gosh. There's bears in here. <laughs> yes. Like, should I fear for my life? Um, thankfully, none of that. And I was like, I could see myself working out here. So I started and I was just on the treadmill for like 20 minutes and then I'd go home. And finally, one of the trainers came up to me and was like, do you want to learn like how to do some other stuff? And I was like, yes. So one of the trainers, he just kind of like took me under his wing and like showed me how to do everything. And it, it really snowballed very quickly that I got obsessed with weightlifting and and working out altogether. And I to the point where the gym was hiring someone just to work the front desk, like not to be a trainer or anything. And at the time I was like, I'm doing music full time. Like I just graduated high school. I'm going to focus on my music. And and the shifts were three hours, like a few days a week. And I'm like, oh, I could probably do that, yeah. actually. So wouldn't it hurt to have. A yeah, exactly. So I took the job and just through working the front desk. I got to know a lot of the members um, it's actually how I met my husband. <laughs> so thank God I took that job. And I just fell in love with being around fitness and also like encouraging people to keep at it, get into it, that sort of thing. And the lead trainer who mentored me came to me one time and was like, look, I don't want to tell you what to do. And like, don't think I'm trying to do that. But I could really see you as a personal trainer. I remember shutting him down so hard. I was like, no. I could never do that. Because I remember sitting at the front desk, mm-hmm. watching him wait for his clients who were late, never showed up, 
whining, like all this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'm thankful I don't have to do that. Like, I just remember watching, like, I could never do that. And also just like the stress and pressure of being responsible for another human being's like, like, well-being. Yes, like that stressed me out. And I'm like, I can like, and it's funny, all the things in my life I've said I would never do, I have done. <laughs> I thought I would never do music as a career. Well, to, to even backtrack more, I thought I'd never sing in front of people. Mm-hmm. Never do this as a career. Um, I never thought I'd do school assemblies because I remember sitting in the audience at a school as assembly. A, like, that poor person <sighs> would not want to be that person up there, you know, trying to entertain a bunch of like eye rolling children right, right now. And went on to do that. Um, I thought I'd never get married. Miracles happen, got married. Um, and I thought I would never become a personal trainer. So, Next thing you know, I really started thinking about it. And my husband was my boyfriend at the time. I was like, what do you think about me like becoming a trainer? And he was like, I could see it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I asked my parents because I was, I was nervous too because I did not want anyone to think this meant I was like losing any kind of momentum, energy, mm-hmm. or efforts towards my music. That was a big fear of mine. Right. And it's funny, like training kind of did start out as this like side gig and it's come to be something I've I've loved so like I love training it's crazy like I never thought I could love something as much as I love music and I have to say like it's I think because of like again the relationships you get to build with people and like again working out is a very vulnerable thing yeah like no one feels confident squatting no, <laughs> no. So you're, you're making all sorts of noise yeah. all sorts yes. of faces yes. all sorts sweat of, you're, you're, <laughs> like, gonna, you're gonna look at the yes. worst parts of yes. anybody yes and you know what like i welcome all of that i'm like sweat like, like it, let the knees noises. make the rice crispy yep. noises like you know grunt if you absolutely need to like you know because it's like and i know like planet fitness has that like judge-free zone for real though my gym is a judge-free zone i'm like look you're gonna come in here and like if you can't squat like if you can't bend your knees at all like why don't we try why don't we try sitting on a chair yeah that's squatting it is that's a start let's do that 10 times see how that goes up and down up and down if you need to hold on fine we'll hold on and then after a few weeks of doing this you won't need to hold on anymore so my big thing is like meeting people where they're at and growing from there. Because if you're consistent, your body's going to adapt yeah. and it's going to get better. And so it's exciting to watch that process. And not only that, you mentioned uh, feeling like a potato. <laughs> it, it's, well, uh, it's true. Like It's a real feeling. It, it is. If you mm. stay in bed all day, if, you, yeah, if you're sedentary, on your Yeah, if you're sedentary, sitting in an office chair nine to five, you're going to feel that. It's you're, so true. And you're going to be able to see that because you know, your belly and all that. Just, <laughs> well, because I know because I'm experiencing it now. Um <laughs> Sorry, Corey. <laughs> I did not look at you and think that, by the way. That's no, not no, like, I, I'm being, oh I'm being for real, though. I like you keeping it real right now. Because well, I, I mean, think a lot of people are late. Like, yeah, you have to. That, that was me like six years ago. I was. Mm, and you're not going to have the same energy levels if you're not always active because your metabolism slows and it's, it's just a cycling effect of being worse and worse and worse. It, it's funny. Like, you would think, like, people used to think, like, rest is the best. Like, rest, rest, rest. Even when, like, you're recovering from something mm-hmm. or whatever, like, rest is ideal. But honestly, like, being active it's, yes like motion is lotion like yeah. you know and and being active is kind of this preventative thing like i have a lot of people come to me wanting to look good mm-hmm. i'm like 
that's great. Like, of course, don't we all want to look good? But I'm like, what I want you to do is set that that goal aside and focus on your health. And Mm -hmm. I know it sounds so stupid because no one at 25 or even 30 or 16 is thinking about longevity, longevity and quality of life as we age. Because I nerd out so much when it comes to this stuff, but just keeping up with the research, like it's amazing how having muscle mass like prevents osteoporosis and like all these diseases you can prevent just through being active and working your muscles. So it's exciting. And I think though, for a lot of people, it takes coming to that realization on your own And I think also people need to ditch the all or nothing mindset because I used to think if I couldn't work out five days a week, it was not worth it. Not worth it. And studies are showing 10 minutes, 10 minutes, you can see health benefits. So go, go out for a walk for 10 minutes, Yeah. twice a week to start, you know, like set really small goals and then just build from there and it becomes a lifestyle eventually. <laughs> One thing I've been trying to work on is uh, when I was through college, I always had to have my phone away from my bed so that I would have to actually get up and go get my phone. And then I that way it. it would be harder for me to get back in the bed because I'm already up anyway. Yes. See, I recommend that with snacks too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was, keep, yeah. keep my snacks out of my room. Keep them out of sight. I was just reading a study about that. Like apparently the human brain, it's very natural to want to just – snack if it's right in front of you yeah like the the senses are stimulated when they see like a bowl of candy mm-hmm. like even if you're not hungry and you don't actually want the candy if it. it's sitting right in front of you you're gonna want some so it, it's insane how like not having these things in front of you makes such a difference and i'm like or switching it out that's what yes. i've been doing it I've, yeah, and instead, of, instead of instead of like cereal or whatever i'll have like a banana or yes. a bo- box of apples yeah and that way you just don't eat then because you don't see the apple and go ooh apple <laughs> well even even then if i'm hungry i'm like oh there's an apple right there i'm, gonna, you know, I'm, good. Where, I'm glad like, that's right working because right? yeah for some people they're like oh well guess there's nothing to eat <laughs> <laughs> no but it's fantastic sorry this turned into a health and fitness podcast <laughs> no, it's, a, it's important for musicians especially because it is a lot a lot of our capabilities are based off our health it's very true. Yeah, even just lugging the equipment around. Even like, yeah, as I was say, even even singing, you you're not gonna have a healthy voice if you're true, your, your lungs, your, your lungs, lung capacity, all of that. You're gonna have it's to so stand true. for so long. Yes, you're you, on your feet. And your back hurts. Literally doing exercise as you're playing anyway. Yes. So if you're not keeping that up, granted, playing is exercise, but if you don't follow that up with like de-stressing or true. prepping. You yeah. can really injure yourself. If, yeah. if you're not doing your posture right, you can easily injure yourself. Yeah, and you don't want your performance to be the only time no, <laughs> that, you're, yeah. like, that you're moving, you know? The more you introduce that throughout the week, then when the performance time comes, it feels a lot. And, and honestly, you won't be tired after. Yes, yes. And you know what? I'll say this too. Even as someone who works out six days a week, there's still shows that kick my butt. There's still certain oh, songs that kick my butt. And, like, trying to sing while jumping around, like, it's funny, like, I've, so I injured my big toe in January. Super lame. I dropped a 45-pound plate on my toe. Like, it fell, like, six inches and just shattered my sesamoid bone in my big toe. Not a good start to the year for me. Not quite. Um, But at the time, I despised running, like, hated it. And um, the doctor, of course, was like, you can't run. You can't squat, you can't deadlift, you can't leg press, you can't do anything that puts pressure on your toe. And I was like, that's literally everything I do. Like, are you kidding me? What can I do? Uh, Yeah, I was devastated. Like, literally, we got in the car and my husband was like, 
you literally look like you just got diagnosed with cancer. Like, stop. And I'm like, no, like, you don't understand. Like, I can't. He's like, you're going to be okay. This is temporary. Yeah, right. You're going to be fine. This too shall pass. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, what I did in that few months was a lot of upper body Mm -hmm. and abs and some leg extensions, any leg machine that didn't put pressure on the toe. And I survived. But then the second I was cleared to run, oh, my God, I was like, I had a whole new appreciation for it. Like, it, no, I, I used to run all. I did soccer, so I'm literally oh, running all yes. the time. Oh yeah, and, and now I feel I'm like, I can I can barely run down the hall. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Without without being way out of breath or starting sweating. Is going up a flight of steps. Right, and then you realize and you're trying really hard not to huff and puff. I'm 22. People around. And I'm yes. I'm dying. Yes, like this isn't right. <laughs> yeah, but that all starts. Um. By moving around, by by uh, walking, by doing yes. standing. I've been. I, I bought a standing desk. Nice. So that way, I, I there can, you go. I can start Not standing. sitting as much. You yeah, know. get fantastic. the blood flowing and and all that jazz. It's been really it's nice. Awesome. Yeah. It's, so it's if you crazy. want to check out Stephanie's personal training. <laughs> oh yes, StephGraceFitness.com. <laughs> yeah, finally got a fitness website again. I I had like so much of my time going to music I was like I don't need a fitness website Mm -hmm. like people can just search me on Facebook and I was like you know what I should have a fitness website too just so people can get like a little idea of what I do right you know again like I think personal training is very personal and you want to make sure like it's a good match Mm -hmm. and here's the other thing I have people reach out to me and they're like all right um I want to start training next week I'm like cool, slow down. Like, why don't we have a consultation first? Because I sit down and I tell people exactly how I train, exactly what, like, my beliefs are, um, and also the work I need from them if they want to reach their goals. And homework. Yes, exactly. People don't realize that. Exactly. Like, people assume if they hire a trainer, they're going to drop 30 pounds in two months, and I literally... I tell them, I'm like, no, 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 no. You get to also address their food as well. <laughs> yes, because that's the thing. I'd be training people, and then they would go get McDonald's on the way home, and then you just ruined. The you're like, man, workout. I wasted all this money on a trainer, and I'm like, oh my god. So you now, know you wasted all the money on the McDonald's, <laughs> yes, which made exactly. you so much worse, exactly. which made you feel so much worse. So now I sit people down, and I tell them like straight up, I'm like, if you are expecting to lose a bunch of weight by hiring me without putting the work in with your diet. Because diet's yeah. half the battle. I was 330 pounds oh my at gosh, one point. Oh, my gosh. Were you? Yeah, I was. Because, uh, you know, freshman 15, but more like freshman <laughs> 100, rather. If I'm being <laughs> honest. that escalated. Um, well, because, you know, they have buffets all the time. And oh, it's like, yeah. well, it's free. And it's a stressful time in your life, too. Right. Like, let's be real. Stress can, like, I'm a stress eater. Yeah. And that, that's a real thing. For um, sure. And I went to Overeaters Anonymous, which is kind of like AA, but for people with Is that problems. a real thing? It's a Real thing, Overeaters oh Anonymous, yeah, because oh well, so, like people that's like, fantastic that that exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a real thing. It is re- like people with like bulimia, anorexia, stress eating, all this stuff. It's it's pretty much like the AA, the alcohol Alcoholics Anonymous, but for like yeah, food. They, yeah. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, so I I went there and I learned you know diet and I didn't change my workout routine at all. I wasn't more active, yeah. but I I've, but now you changed your diet. I changed my diet. I'm 265, 70 pounds right now, oh and granted, I don't look like I'm fat. I, I wear you my do weight. Not. I wear my weight very well, <laughs> but still, losing 60 pounds by just eating like you know, there's different plans. But I chose the three meals a day, minimum snacking. I'm not the best at it, but at least having some kind of 
goal and structure. It yeah. doesn't have to be perfect. No. But if, as long as you're not just aimlessly like eating, it's it makes conscious. a difference. Exactly. I think being aware is the first thing. Good for you. Like, dude, that's amazing. Yeah. Good for you. I had no idea. It's yeah. awesome. It's and hard. That, that's it's the goal. So is no one has no one idea. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> so back to your music. We have some of your songs. The Yay. first one I want to play is Nobody. Tell me about that. Okay. So this song makes me laugh so much listening to it now. Um, so th- this is, we're going to get, we're going to get really TMI. Um, when I was 16, I had my first real boyfriend. And after that, I was single <laughs> for a very long time. I guess that's not TMI. I just figured like that's personal. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about Steph's love life or lack thereof for five years. <laughs> um, so from age 16 to 21, I was very single. <laughs> to the point where you thought you'd said you were never going to get married. Yes. I, I seriously, it's really sad. I don't know why my brain went there. Because, like, you know, my parents. Because we're always, always dramatic about We ourselves. are. We're so dramatic. Like, my parents are married 35 years, 36 years, something like that. And they have, like, an awesome marriage. And I grew up in, like, a loving household. And I just was like, I'm never getting married. Never getting married. Never getting married. No ever going to love me. Yeah, pretty much. And my mom's like, why are you saying that? And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, Because it's true. It, it, it's just like impossible. Right, yeah. Like I was working at the time. I was working at the gym. I was doing my shows. And like occasionally I'd meet people. But it like never, ever. But you're always busy enough to follow yeah, through. Yeah. And like also I think guys were really freaked out by the singing thing. I don't know why. Maybe they were like, intimidated. Yeah you, th- yeah, you think they would think it's cool. But no, it like scared guys away. Thank you. <laughs> like it scared a lot. It's, yeah. So single for five years. And I was like, you know what? I am going to embrace this. And I'm going to do what I do best. And I'm going to write a song about it. And it was funny too. My producer, we were actually writing songs for an EP. And my producer was like, you need a love song on this EP. And I'm like, all right. He's like, just write about the love of your life. And at the time, I was like, cool, nobody. nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. Dang. <laughs> I wrote a song called Nobody. And um, yeah, this goes out to anyone who's really single and proud of it. <laughs> With that said, this is Nobody by Stephanie Grace. Nobody, nobody's manly in love with 
And that was Nobody by Stephanie Grace. What a fun song. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that one makes me laugh. <laughs> so what is it like? Is it's supposed to be a love song, right? But it's a, it's, uh, a, it's a jam, yeah. right? It's kind of like a single people anthem. Yeah. yeah. It's like really celebrating the fact that there's nobody. <laughs> But then also kind of secretly being like, but if you want to date me. By the way, there is <laughs> also the nobody. There's like nobody standing in the way. Um, yeah, it's funny when um, I released that song, I released like a, a lyric video for it. And um, my cats are in it. <laughs> and this guy, like, I think he was a radio, like he owned like an online um Internet radio broadcast? Yeah, like an internet station. And he played the song on a show, and then I was listening in, and he was like, how cute that Stephanie Grace, a young country artist, decided to write a song about her cats that she named Nobody. And I was like, I didn't, what? (laughs) Not quite it. (laughs) Not quite. He genuinely, I guess because he saw the music video, he He thought thought I wrote the song about my cats. That was... Not exactly the case. Not exactly but, the case. You know, to but each hey, their own. Each their own. However you interpret the song. <laughs> so we have another one of your songs. Look what Ooh. I got. Oh, I like that you're going in order. This is great. Okay. <laughs> Look what I got. So this song, oh, this song's really special. Um, so three months after, after, write nobody. after I put nobody out there for the whole world to hear it, embracing I was single, Three months after that, I met my husband, and we started dating, and I remember just, like, really having my guard up, because I'm like, you know, I've been single for a long time. If I'm not going to be single, like... I better be yeah, prepared this for... Is, yeah. This is going to crash and burn, this, yes. and I'm going to be heartbroken. Yes. I got to put up that wall before yes, it happens. Ex- exactly, and it just kept going very well, and I was like, Wow okay, like, this is weird. This guy likes me, and I like him. This is very odd. I'm not used to this. It's um, <laughs> happening. What is happening? It's happening. Feelings. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, it was really exciting. You know, like, I decided to just kind of throw away the wall and embrace the fact that I was really excited and proud to, like, have a relationship that I was excited and proud of, you know? And so I wrote this song um, about him. And I was all set to release it in, like, January or, or no, February or March of 2020. Of course. And then <laughs> the pandemic hit. And I was like, I am not about to release this happy song in the middle of a world crisis. Right. Where everyone's feeling so unhappy. Yeah. It felt so wrong. So I just kept putting it off to, like, I didn't know when because no one knew the state when, of, right. you know, what was going to happen. So... Um, let's see, it was July 2020. Things were like starting to look up a little bit. And um, my now husband and his sister, who's my best friend, um, the three of us decided to take like a beach weekend. And we were out on the water. And his sister does like photography just for fun. And she was like, I'm gonna take some pictures of you like out in the water. And I was like, okay. And next thing you know, he got down on one knee and asked me to marry him. Oh, of course. <laughs> and I was right. like, holy crap. Oh, my gosh. So 
Um, Let's go take some pictures. Yeah, you can go over there. Right, like literally. <laughs> I mean, he so pla- He knew me. He knew I would want video, photos, right. all of that. So his sister was there. Like, and it was funny. My parents were like, "I think he's gonna propose to her this weekend." But also, why would he bring his sister? But also, why? But then I'm also like, and later I'm like, why wouldn't he bring his sister right. to record everything? And she did. So it was actually a blessing that the song release got pushed back because. I now had like an actual, an actual tangible, music video yeah. where like, I'm like, wow, this is like, first of all, it makes a whole, like it takes a whole new meaning. Look what I got. Right. Yeah. Like to, to point to a ring, you know, right, yeah. <laughs> versus just like this relationship. So it really made it more special. And then, um, as an independent artist, what's been really fun is like all my music videos at this point in my life are all like the homemade style mm-hmm. type video. And, I love that because it gives people a look inside of my life and the inspiration for the songs I write. More personal. It's more personal, for sure. So, like, look what I got. I just collected every little video, picture, whatever I've had of me and Ryan over, like, the two years we were together at that point. And then I was able to add the footage of the proposal. So that was really neat. So we put that song out finally in December 2020, I want to say. I'm not even quite sure when we finally put it out, but we did, and it was really special. And yeah, look what I got. This <laughs> it's is a special one. This yeah. is "Look What I Got" by Stephanie Grace. Could be that lucky Find someone who'd really love me 
And that was Look What I Got by Stephanie Grace. Thank you. What does your husband think of that song? He gets so embarrassed, which is a sign he likes it. <laughs> it was funny. I asked him, like, be honest. Like, do you think this is really weird? Because here's just to sum up me and my husband. I am always talking to everyone, you know, in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. He hates the spotlight. He hates his picture taken. He's very reserved, lay low. And I'm like, I'm writing a song about you and I'm releasing it. Are you okay? <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's it's a really good song. And I'm like, oh, wow, thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, he feels, uh, he feels a lot of different emotions about it. Because well, it's weird when you have a song written about you. It has to be very strange. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. I used to feel bad for all the guys Taylor Swift wrote songs about. Dude, I was looking right? on the way over. I was like, Poor Drew. I was like, oh my gosh. But also, what an honor. Right? <laughs> it's like It's like a double-sided coin. It's like, well, I, I dated Taylor Swift. And I, broke and I up messed with it up. I messed it up. <laughs> but also, this song bangs really hard. Right? Yeah, I think um, it's it's a unique thing, being a songwriter and like, yeah, it's it's dangerous a it little is bit dangerous, yeah. when you really think about it. Like, but. I'm gonna date a songwriter. There's gonna be songs written about me that I might not like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which you know, so far so good. Ryan and I have been married ten months. As of yesterday, was exactly ten months, and I've written a few more about him that he hasn't heard yet. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just give him a whole EP. Here, here, listen to this. I'll give him like a whole EP. Let you know. All right. <laughs> So we have one last song regardless. Yes. Again, this is the perfect order. We started with nobody. Then we got somebody. (laughs) Then I married that somebody. So I got married in October 2021. And through like (coughs) picking, excuse me, picking the songs for the wedding, I was really freaked out trying to pick the perfect song for me and my dad. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I hate yeah. all of this. I'm going to make my own. Yeah, it, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, I, the only song that came close was Tim McGraw's My Little Girl. I'm of like, course. oh, it's a cute yep. song. But I'm like, it's also like, it's not special enough. So it's, it, right, because like, it's been done so many times. Yes, it's yes. like every spot or dollar song. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? Like, my, my band pointed this out to me um, a few weeks ago. They were like, wow, your dad is actually the reason we're all here right now. And I was oh, like, yeah. What do you mean? And they're like, if he wouldn't like if him and your mom wouldn't have supported you and like like my dad, he literally he was our sound guy for like the first I mean, up to like recently, like literally would lug the speakers, would run this. He wasn't like he learned how to do all that so he could like help me. So and drove me everywhere. Like so, you know, I owe so much to my dad and my mom that I was like, I can't just go with some generic song like this has to be special yeah special from the heart 100% exactly what I want to say so I have two songwriter friends that I wrote look what I got um, with and they're both dads Mm. girl dads so I went to them I'm like guys I have this idea what do you think and they were like almost crying just hearing the idea they're like you're going to surprise, like, and I said, we're going to surprise my dad. Like, I don't even want him to know until we're at the wedding and the DJ starts the song. And they were like, this is so cool. Oh my gosh. So we decided we were going to write a couple different songs and pick the best one. 
And what ended up happening was we wrote regardless. And I said, I don't need to write another song. This is it. This is exactly what I want to say. And um, we don't need to work on this any further. Because they were adamant, like, maybe we need, like, options. Because we Mm. had a couple different ideas. And regardless, to me, it was just perfect. I'm like, this sums up not only um, my dad and the awesome childhood I had and, like, the example he set for me, um, but also, like, the relationship that I have with my husband and how the love I had for my dad like just that unconditional love, like to get that from my husband too. It's really special. So surprised him at the wedding. He had no clue. And um, it was really special. I was, honestly, everyone in the room was crying. It was a really, really powerful moment. This is Regardless by Stephanie Grace. Dressed in white is still daddy's little girl It might be hard to let me go But dad, I just want you to know You taught me long ago To never settle for less And you always told me like a princess even when I'm a mess and just like you he loves me regardless just like you he loves me regardless you believed in me encouraged me told me to chase my dreams you've given me special song oh thank you (laughs) 
If you want to find <laughs> Stephanie Grace and her music, uh, and if you are on Facebook lis- listening to this after the fact, uh, you probably will be muted. So yeah, dang Facebook with their, Facebook um, their copyright. copyright stuff. Even though I, I have, own the copyright. It's like she's right here. I'm right here. It's my she song. She gave me the music herself. I can show you the email where she did it. Yeah, it's so <laughs> but frustrating. If you want to uh, find out her, all of her stuff, go over to Spotify, Stephanie Grace. Where can they find you in person? Um, let's see. So this coming Friday night, what is that? The 26th. Yes, the 26th of August, this coming Friday. We're going to be in Gilbertsville, me and my guitar player, Justin, at the Markley Grill at Bella Vista Golf Course uh, from 6 to 9. And then Saturday, August 27th, we're going to be, and by we, I mean my full band, so guitars, drums, bass, all of that, um, at the New Jerusalem Inn in Fleetwood, Pennsylvania. And it's from 7 to 10, and there's no ticket, no cover charge. Come out for dinner, drinks, and have some fun um, again this Saturday. And if you want to follow her, she's got all that stuff on her Facebook, Instagram. Yes. Do you have a website? I do. So it's stephanie-grace.com. You got to get the little dash hyphen in there. There's another Stephanie Grace. So to get me, <laughs> get the hyphen and you can see like my full um, show schedule and all my music, my bio, videos, all of that. And if you want to follow the story, you can follow us anywhere. Just search up The Story, Corey Rosen, C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N. We're going to uh, get off the radio, but we're going to continue live on Facebook. And so for those on the radio, let's get you back to the music. So I have some general questions uh, before we end off our time here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm nervous. Uh-oh. What kind of questions? Sure. These are like those rapid fire ones. I'm not good with that. Uh, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sweating. Okay. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you have made? or? <laughs> Sheesh. Or that you've seen other people make? How can we prevent those for the future generation? Um, like in like in music? In music? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest mistake I've seen people make, and this goes back to the point we were talking about before, is um, not being very open and receptive to criticism, to, or even not even criticism, but like someone like suggesting an idea. You know, like I've mm. seen some artists like be told like hey like you should try doing this or try doing that and people are like shut up (laughs) like I think not having an open mind is a huge mistake in life but in particular in the music industry what is one piece of what is the best piece of advice that anyone has ever given you really cheesy but to be myself because especially because in the music industry there's already a Miranda Lambert there's already a Carrie Underwood there's already a Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift so be yourself what is one of the most memorable lessons you've ever learned? <laughs> um, <laughs> the most memorable lesson I've ever learned. For better or for worse? <laughs> Let's see. Um, I mean, probably to be myself and to always be honest. Because, like, like, growing up, I like, like I mentioned earlier, I was kind of struggling to fit in with people my age, and I tried very hard. To be somebody else. To be somebody else. And that's really stupid. Like, looking back, like, there was a band that everyone in my grade listened to that I'd never heard of before in my life. You're like, oh, I listen to that. And I was like, oh, my God, I love that band. And I listened to, like, one song. And I was like, I love that one song. And then everyone was like, what other songs? And I was like, ugh. 
uh, that one that goes boop, boop, boop. you lost me yep. you lost me so to just um always be yourself and always be honest always what is one of the funniest or worst things ever happened to you on a gig oh geez let's see um i forget the words a lot um i've had oh my god one time so i was performing at fall fest in lancaster um and this wasn't the year i opened for taylor swift this was the year i came back when i was 15 so this was 2012 and josh turner was the headliner and i had these knit gloves on and i was like rocking out and they put like a little um was it my in-ears i don't know it was like a microphone that they clipped on me i don't it was something that was kind of like sticking out and the knit glove got like stuck on it and I couldn't, so I was like this the entire show. And it was like a 30 minute show, but I was like trying, <laughs> like I'm up there in front of like thousands of right. people. This is like the biggest gig I think I've ever played in my entire life. There were like 40,000 people there. Wow. Yeah, Fall Fest was huge. And I'm up there like this and I could <laughs> not move. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. like we'll just do the chicken wing, you know, what, what is going on? Yeah, that was mortifying. Um, so I've had a lot of wardrobe malfunctions like that where like jewelry flies off or gets caught oh or yeah, or bugs fly on stage, fly on <sighs> me. I scream in the mic. Yeah, I've uh, had my share. There was a there was a gig <laughs> at uh at a beach club and uh, we were set up right beneath lights on the river in Harrisburg. Ooh. Very nice. Yeah, sounds nice, right? Uh-oh, what happened? <laughs> well, you know, when it gets dark and it, you know, it got lights above you and you're on the deck and it's right by the river uh, yeah. and you don't, and you, you know, you're singing and the bugs are mm. happening. Mm. And so I'm like playing the piano. My, my, my singer uh, is getting bugs constantly in his throat and I'm playing piano and as I'm playing piano, I'm squishing bugs because oh I can't. <laughs> it was the worst and I'm having them go in my ears and my mouth, and I'm like, I'm, I had, I gotta push through. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. That would have scarred me for life. I yeah, don't do I, well with bugs. Though, no, me neither. So. Mm. It, we, we, we had to stop. <laughs> I believe like, it. That's terrible. It was not. Oof. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is something that? Well, I guess this this might be a, the same answer, but what is something that you know now that you wish you had known back when you started? Uh, you know what? I can add. I can add. Um, aside from like staying true to yourself, um, accepting that it's going to take time. I think when I was 15, I thought by the age of 18, I'd be Taylor Swift. Right. You know, and I don't know why that's such an assumption, I guess, because I was in Nashville and I thought, oh, I'm like going to make it like it's not that easy. No, it's not that it easy. It's not that easy. Especially and you're not well connected. Exactly. And I think accepting that you can be 25, you can be 30, you can be 35, and it can still happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So give yourself some time and give yourself some grace and never give up. Definitely agree. See? No pun intended. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to. Well, hey, this has been a lot of fun. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. This is really cool what you do at the story. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm really excited uh, to do more. And if you want to check out Seven Degrees, please be sure to check out her uh, Facebook, her Instagram, her Twitter, her website, stephanie-grace.com. Thank you. Check out her Spotify. All of her stuff will be there. And if you, if the music isn't there for you on this Facebook podcast, uh, be sure to check out us on Spotify and, yes, and please. App, Apple Podcasts, all the, all the places you can find us. Uh, Facebook does mute copyrighted music. However, the other spaces do not. 
Uh, so check out the story, Corey Rosen, C O R Y R O S E N. You can find us there if you want to be kept up with all of our upcoming guests and events. Check out our Facebook or Instagram at the underscore story underscore podcast. Tomorrow we have our very own Lancaster uh, one man band, Nick Ooh. DeSanto. Ooh. I'm really excited to talk talk to him. And after that, we won't be back till Sunday. So hope the, hope you guys see us tomorrow. If not, be sure to like, follow, subscribe, share with all your friends. That's how we grow. And with all that said, I mm-hmm. hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.